So we're actually not in the middle. We started recently, but we're, we've, we've got it inside. We're going to do a bit of a recap, okay? Uh, let me just make sure my phone is on silent. Okay. We're learning the mimer of Nosata Lireacha Neslis Noises, which was said by the Rebbe in 1951, first year that he was Rebbe. It's connected to Yud Beis Tamos, which has completely nothing to do with where we are right now. It's the day that the Freed Rebbe was released from prison. But, and it's based on a mimer of the previous Rebbe. But we're, the reason we're learning it is because we're learning about Nisyainis. We're learning about what are tests according to Hasidus, which is connected to this week's Parsha and Avram's tests and his final biggest challenge, biggest test, which was Akedah Sitzchak. So you started off with the introduction two days ago, speaking about the different levels with which we serve Hashem, either on Torah and mitzvahs, the level of Torah and mitzvahs, which draws down more light into the world, or through what we called Avaidah Sabirurim, which is dealing with the physical world around us and elevating the good and leaving behind the bad, which is called Avaidah Sabirurim, right? And which elevates the sparks that fell into this world and hid themselves in the physical things. We said the next level is Teshuva, where we where we did deal with Gimel Klippus with physicality that we weren't supposed to deal with, but then from the force of the Teshuva, the spark that was trapped there gets elevated. That was the third level. And the fourth level that we're learning about here in this Mimer is called Nisyonis. Nisyonis are tests. Nisyonis, we said, are impossibilities. The challenges that don't have a, a logical solution to the problem. And the reason for that is because the challenge is completely black. There's no spark there that we can actually see or actively elevate. It's just black. And the Rebbe says, so we discussed that before the Rebbe speaks about Nisoyanus here, the, all the previous Rebbeim speak about it and they say, Nisoyan is just black. There's no godliness there. The Rebbe says that's impossible. Everything has to have some sort of godliness in order to exist. But when it comes to Nisoyan, that spark of God has turned dark. Okay, the light doesn't shine as light anymore. It, it, it exists as darkness. And so we're trying to discuss here and understand in this mimer, how are we supposed to deal with tests that have no logical response and solution, that have no light? And we said a test is not something that we face every day, right? Some of us maybe have never had a test before. Um, I was speaking to the shluchas about this, that there's also an idea of collective tests versus personal ones, right? Like the Jewish people could be tested, as we saw in Golis Mitzrayim that we spoke about, that the Jews in the exile of Egypt were tested collectively through the exile of Egypt, and they actually weren't able to overcome it. That when Moshe came and spoke in the name of Hashem, they weren't able to listen to him because of the test, which you can't blame them. A test is an impossibility. Um, so there can be a collective test, there could be a private test. People are faced with certain things that would be categorized as a test. An example of this, as we're learning this week's passage, is Avram Avinu. He had 10 tests. Each one was an impossibility, according to Chassidus. According to other Mepharshim, you can explain logically how he could have responded this way or that way, but when you look at the depth of each test, the, the circumstances surrounding them and the expectation put on Avram was an impossibility, and he was able to overcome every one of them. Another example we said is David Amelech. I told you guys about David Melech, right? David Melech yeah. went to Hashem and he said, I want to also have the same status as that Avram has. You call Avram, Avram Ayhavi. And Hashem said to him, well, Avram passed tests. You have never passed a test. So he said, give me a test. And he failed. That was the test with Bathsheba. 
So we, don't, we ask Hashem not to give us tests. We don't want tests. But the Rebbe claims, it says here, that the, this final goddess that we find ourselves in is the most full of tests than any other point in history. And we'll see that the reason for that is because the sparks that exist now are the final, final sparks that need to be elevated. They're so small, they're so tiny, that they manifest themselves in the form of tests very often. Because when a spark is so small, it can turn black. And that looks like a test. So today we're going to speak a little bit more about the difference between Avaita Sabirurim, about the, nat- the, 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 the day-to-day Avaida and revelation of God that we find in our own life, that's called Avaita Sabirurim, versus the Nisyonis, and the difference in ourselves that occurs in these two different types of challenges, the difference in the thing that's being elevated, and the difference in the method by which we elevate, okay? So that's what we're going to be discussing today. We started, we're, we're doing the Akeda, but we started learning the, um, where this came from, like this idea, like the, what was it, the, one of the Midrashim talks about, or not Midrashim, one of the commentators, one of the commentators are talking about it, and um, the way that, the way that they were like, he's talking about tests, yeah, about the like, crazy, at the banner, okay, yeah, so there we go, so that's this passage, which says, Nasati l'recha I've given yeah. to those who fear you, a test to raise you up. This is it. Okay. Nisa Vibra Nisa Savram. Nasati Recha Nestes Noises Mifle Koshitsela. Amazing. Okay. So you're learning the Medrash on this. Kenazeshal Sfina, right? That's the, the mast of a boat, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, amazing. Wow. Okay, so you're learning here this Pasuk from Tehillim in a way that it's a banner. That is, yeah. you do testing Avram in order to raise him up like a banner to yeah. show the world. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. like not just the world of his time, but like all of us now. Definitely. <laughs> so okay, so that's amazing. You're getting more really of the Medrash, and now we're getting the Hasidus on yeah, it as well. That's great. Wait, this is true. Hasidus <laughs> comes from somewhere. Esther's not just making it up. <laughs> I wish I could make this stuff up. I'd be so smart. Okay, where are we up to inside? Because I am teaching it to the shluchas, so I have kind of lost track of exactly where we are inside. The middle paragraph on one. Yeah, we haven't done Gimel yet. So either 181, the second paragraph, right? Yeah, okay. So we're on page 181. Yeah, that's what I remember as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So we're finishing the second idea, which was this idea of defining what a Nisayan is. That's what Bayes spoke about. Defining a Nisayan as a test that's impossible. It's pure, it's total blackness. There's no light there. And then the Rebbe explains, it's like the term chaticha atzma nasis levela, which means the piece of kosher meat itself becomes not kosher, which is uh, something that happens um, if a kosher piece of meat comes into contact with something non-kosher piece of meat. The kosher piece of meat used to be kosher and now it is now absolutely not kosher. So the idea is that that spark of God used to be a light and an expression of God. When it manifests itself in the form of a test, it expresses itself as blackness. There's no expression there of God. And so this nitzitz of Kedusha, the spark of holiness, becomes darkness. So, we're going to now speak about the difference again between Nisyonis and Avadis Habiburin. So, umitzad ha'chilu kanal. 
So based on the difference that we spoke about above between Avaita Sapirurim, where there is a spark that, is a, that shines as light, we just have to extract it, and versus an Isayan, where there's no light. Between that which is being refined, versus the thing that's expressing itself as a test. There's also a difference here in the person who's experiencing either the challenge of Avaita Sapirurim or the impossible test of an Isayan. Ha'oived, so the person doing the service, there's a difference in himself, depending on what he's facing, and there's also a difference in the way he goes about doing this service. The way he overcomes either the challenge of Avedisabirim or the impossible test looks different. So when it comes to a test, a person needs to work with himself. That is who is getting all of the refinement and the elevation here. The person. His essence and his source. He doesn't deal with all of the things around him that are testing him. Only with himself. As it says, Just as the spark of holiness that exists in something, which expresses itself as a test, only its core still remains. The core of the Kedusha, of the holiness in the test, exists, but it doesn't express itself. And so in order to reveal that, we have to go to our own core, our own essence, work with that, and that will automatically make the challenge disappear. So that's the first step. The person deals only with himself. When it comes to our day-to-day service of Hashem, we are dealing with and interacting with the world. And when we interact with the world, the thing that we deal with gets elevated, right? As we discussed, the thing itself. And I also get elevated. When it comes to Nisayan, the thing does not get elevated. There's nothing to elevate. It's black. The only thing that gets elevated is me. And we're going to see gets elevated in a way higher level because of this, because of this test. So that's the first thing. The way that you go about elevating a test is different as well. The gum eifen the way that you go about this challenge, it's not in a way of war. The shakla vataria. Have you guys learned this term in uh, Gemara? Shakla vataria is referring to a negotiation, a back and forth. There's no negotiation, there's no war when it comes to a test. The thing in front of you is an impossibility. You can't use logic to overcome it. Kind of a minor. There's no questions and answers. At shepayel birur v'ha'ala to the point where you elevate it. Ella al rather through shema'ara takaf atzmi through awakening the strength within yourself, the bittul atzmi and the bittul within yourself. What is the bittul within yourself? The truth that you are God that exists within you. So by bringing that forth, atzmi dafka specifically. That is the way that we overcome a test. The way that we overcome physicality in this world is by dealing with it. I'm going to use it. I'm going to involve myself with it. And so that's how I elevate it. I involve it in a positive way with positive intentions. The way that you refine and elevate a test is not by dealing with the test. And we've spoken about this. This is a Yud Beis Thomas Mimer, the Frieda Rebbe when he was in prison. And in general, his whole approach to the Soviet Union, to the communists, was you don't exist. I'm not negotiating with you. I am not giving you any sort of credit here. 
I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm going to make my Hasidim do what they need to do. And that is how we're going to make communism fall in, in Russia. And the truth is that that's what happened. Communism like, fell. This is, this is how I've heard it be described. I don't know if that one morning people woke up and it was like the Berlin Wall fell. Like it was just, it was just like, it wasn't. no. I've, I've, I've heard it explained that, that, that it was almost like an overnight thing. No? Okay. I'll it have to check like, into it. it was knew that it was coming. So most leaders and uh, most, most, all of the Jewish leaders in Russia, they left Russia, right? The Chafetz Chaim lived in Russia, he left. And, and when, when people asked him, like, why didn't you stay? Look what the Friedrich Rebbe was managed to do. He said, I didn't think that was possible. And the truth is, it wasn't. When you're thinking, it's not possible. It's only when you're doing in a way that you're not thinking, there's no logic, there's no negotiation. And that is how the Friedrich Rebbe acted. And that is how the truth is all of the Rebbeim acted with anyone who came to them, um, any, and any pure evil that came to them and confronted them. It was in a way of... You have to before he had a chance to I thought he died No, 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 he left Russia. He definitely left Russia. Um, so, so, so that's like a little bit of the, of the context here. Okay. So now we're going to the third idea. The third idea is going to speak about Avaida Sabirurim again, in a little bit more depth, the way that we go about Avaida Sabirurim, our day-to-day service of Hashem and our refinement on a day-to-day level and basis. And then we're going to compare that again with, with Nisyan. So we're just getting a little bit deeper into this idea. This, this, this mimer just layers one on top of the other, adding more and more depth and context to this idea of what does it actually look like to confront and overcome an Isaiah and what happens within ourselves. So this is an, a paragraph coming up. It's a long paragraph, so we're going to do quite a bit of reading. If I'm going too fast, um, let me know. I know I apologize. There's no nakudais in English. All, I promise you, all of the rest of the mimer we're doing this year are at least nakudais, most of them with English as well. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay, I'm I'm glad to hear that. Good. Okay, great. Because I, you know, the 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 way you learn to read without nakudas is just by by getting used to hearing how the words sound. So, okay. So there's a bit of reading coming up here. Okay. If anyone has questions, comments, wants me to go faster or slower, just let me know. Okay. We're going into the next idea that's going to speak about how we prepare ourselves for a vidisabiyurim. Obapratius yaiter. So now, page 181, Gimel. Now we're going into more detail, okay, of this idea that we just spoke about. The beginning of the idea of serving Hashem with Avayda Sabirurim, the day-to-day refinement of physicality, it starts in davening. As it says in the Zohar, it says about davening, davening is a time of war, Shas Krava, a time of battle. Davening is a battle. And many of us probably know that from our own lives, that if it's much easier to sit and learn an interesting piece of Tyra than it is to daven, right? And the Zohar says clearly that Tyra is peace and that davening is war. Vahainu, this is because if the truth is that the general service of refinement it's when we're eating and when we're drinking 
or any time that we're using physical things. Nevertheless, in order that it should not be that this physical thing should not make this person fall, we forget some. Now, when we speak about Avaidus Abiyavurim, it sounds beautiful. You just extract the good from the bad. But there's bad there, and it's completely mixed in with the good. And there is the risk every single time that we engage with the physicality that the bad will actually get the better of us and drag us down. So in order that we can be prepared every time we go out and deal with this mixture of good and bad, this, this, gray, this grayness, we have to prepare ourselves. Ella Adra, but on the contrary, what do we want? Sheh Adam, that the person, Yuchalif Ol Aleha, Aliyah, the person will be able to raise up this physical thing. So we want the person to be able to raise it up and not be dragged down. So he's able to refine and elevate the spark that's enclosed within this physical thing. In order to do this, he first has to activate a general weakness within the bad, within the animal tendencies, within himself. So there's almost like this, the theory test before the practical. Davening would be the, th- the theory. And then you go out and you drive. I'm learning how to drive now, so that's what I'm thinking. But I'm sure there's th- theories and practicals and other things as well. So the theory is, we're going to daven, as we're going to see. And the davening affects a general weakening of my animal soul. And then when I go out into the world, it's much easier to be able to refine the good and not get dragged down by the bad. So Begufoi V'Nafshei Bahamas, a general weakening in his body, and it is an animal soul, and obviously not a physical weakening of his body. We don't want that, but a spiritual one. And also affecting a general weakening of the physical, mundane world around him. That's what happens when we daven. This happens when we daven. It's a time of war. So just as when we go out and we do have a room, we're in a war. We're trying to extract the good and take it away from the evil. Davening is also a war. It activates a general weakening in the body and in the animal soul. And this means, this looks like through the contemplations that we do, the learning of Hasidus, for example, that we do before we daven, where we prepare our mind. And afterwards, when we contemplate during the time of davening itself, when we contemplate on the service of the angels, right? We, we, we speak a lot about the angels when we're davening and the way that they serve Hashem. When we contemplate on that, that they are the source of the Nefesh Bahamas, we are able to weaken the Nefesh Bahamas. And we're going to learn soon a mimer with gods into much more detail about what's actually happening when we daven and um what are the kavanas before krishma when we get to krishma and what's actually happening as a result of that so we're going to get into more detail about this short idea that's being brought here a little bit later but the idea is in general that we're affecting a weakening first in our own animal soul when we're davening so that we can go out into the world and be successful through these contemplations, we, there's an effect of a weakening, a general weakening of the body and soul of the animal. And then automatically, 
his portion of the world. Can I ask a question For sure. before we go into the next page? For sure. And, and it might answer it, but um, in the previous paragraph, we talked about how it's not a war. And then here he's saying that Dominion is a war. So you're right. So what we did in the previous paragraph, we gave a summary of the difference between Avaita Sabirim and between Nisyanus. Mm-hmm. Now we're elaborating on both. So we're going back to Birurim now. We're not speaking about Anisaya now. Ah. Davening is not necessarily, maybe a different aspect of davening as a preparation for Anisayan, but here we're speaking about davening as a preparation for Avadisabirurim. So we're elaborating on this idea that a war is Avadisabirurim. A test is not a war. A war, you go and you engage with the enemy. A test, we do not do that. Right. So this is elaborating on the first one first. Okay, and then the second question, are we going to elaborate on... You mentioned it's not black or white, but it's gray. Mm-hmm. That concept, will it elaborate that more? Yes, we're going to elaborate on that more, and we're going to elaborate especially on the fact that a Nisayan is not gray, it's black. Okay? So when we say that something's gray, it's a mixture of black and white. Mm-hmm. It's a mixture of good and bad. And that's when you have to go and extract something that's a mixture of good and bad. You have to go and involve yourself with the thing. That's the davening that prepares us for the war of Avadis Abirurim. And we're going to see Nisyanus, when it's all black, you don't just go into the black, right? You don't, in a pitch black room, when you can't see anything, you don't start punching the, the dark, right. right? So we're going to see, we're going to elaborate on this a little bit more, and then we're going to see how that's different when it comes to a test. So we're continuing this idea of davening. Page 182, at the top. Vizel. atam. This is the reason that before davening we're not allowed to eat or deal with our general needs. We first have to daven. So Chabadniks, they do eat before davening, but they don't wash their hands. I mean, men don't wash their hands for bread before davening. Um, it's based on halacha that you don't eat before davening. Because we don't start to involve ourselves with the temptations, so to speak, not the temptations, but the challenge of dealing with physical things that have both good and bad before we've properly fortified ourselves with davening. Because before he has an effect of a general weakening within himself, and in his portion of the world, there's place to fear. That not only that he won't be successful, God forbid, in elevating the physical object, on the contrary, that the physical thing will draw him down below. So if he hasn't davened yet, there is this fear. And this is something that, I mean, I've personally experienced, that sometimes if I, I'll have a day that just doesn't go like, I just haven't acted the way I wanted. It doesn't go the way it should have. And I look back and many times it's like, yeah, I didn't daven. <laughs> or I didn't daven the way I, I, I should have. Um, I've personally seen actual effects on my ability to overcome certain things in my day and whether or not I've davened or had like a, a correct kind of davening. So it is something that, that you might be able to see. But definitely on a spiritual level, this is the, this is the case. Only after a person has done the Avaida of davening, then we go into the work of the Pas Shachris. Pas Shachris is the bread of Shachris, the morning bread. And in Israel, they're very into this. Like everyone, they eat bread in the morning. Like breakfast is breakfast, and then there's the Pas Shachris. Like 
the little kids in school, and I remember when I was in school, 10 o'clock, there was a 10 o'clock break, and everyone like took out a sandwich. I was like, no, sandwiches are for lunch. <laughs> anyway, it's like, no, it's Pas Shachris, right? Pas Shachris is the bread of the morning. That's the next stage of our day, when we go and we eat and we prepare ourselves for our day um, in a physical way, but now that we've done, we're able to do it properly. All of the things that now have to do with Avodah Sabirim. Key because after we've had a general weakening, that's the beginning of the war, we can continue into the second stage of the war, he can now go and eat. He's able to be successful. To be able to refine the physical things. This is because as we said above, the beginning of Avaidas Abirim is through prayer. It's through the contemplations that we have during prayer, the Tam Hadavar and the reasoning for the things. The because the sparks that exist and the things that we're elevating. That it's the essence of the spark remains, gam kol within all of it. So when we're talking about Avaita Sabirim and the object that we're elevating, I know it's repeating itself, the spark exists in a way that it's able to be extracted. So we can go there and we can deal with it and we can extract the spark. Shehem inyan shal arvik dusha, because it still exists in a way of light and holiness. Yes, it's mixed together with something that could be not holy, but it's still holy. And therefore, the avoid, the way that we go about refining these physical things, we're able to delve into them. We can have a with them in a way of negotiations. Questions and answers. To the point that we can refine the spark and we can elevate it. Okay? That's clear. That's the end of the, gen- of the elaborate, elaborating on what we said generally before. That's clear? Yeah? Okay. Now let's go into Nisyonis. Nisyonis are the opposite. Masha'en ken, this is not the case. Ba'avaydas ha-Nisyonis. When it comes to tests. Kevan sense. Sha'nitzutz tiktusha, the spark of holiness, she'benisoyan, that exists in a test, who ba'ayfen is in a way, she'chaticha atzma nasis novela, that this piece, the piece of meat itself became non-kosher. The spark the spark atma itself is now dark. Like the darkness that exists in in the physical objects that we're not allowed to deal with, that are asur. But he says lahavdil, also, I, I'm giving my own explanation here, it's even darker than that. The, the spark of God that exists within, let's say, non-kosher food, is pretty dark. It's dark enough that God said, it's a sore, you don't deal with it. The only way that you can deal with it is by not dealing with it, by not eating it. A test, that spark is even darker. Even darker than the, than the, than the spark of life that exists within, not, for example, non-kosher food. But that includes all game of clippers at And because of this, we cannot deal with these things in a way of war, and in a way of negotiation. Kevan, since, she'ein lo achiza klal, there's nothing to hold on to, b'malahat chalam to start the war. 
There's nothing to hold on to. There's nothing to go and get out. Okay? Making sense so far? Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> with the, with the, with Good. The Ella? Oh, you're saying with the situation right yeah, now? Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. We're also saying in stage one of the war, stage two of the war. No, it's, yeah. like, it's like you, well, like whenever you really engage with the ego, like you're not actually getting anything out of it. There's like, nothing to there speak to. There's nothing to even work with. Yeah. Because it's like the everything, like. There's no way <laughs> for like making a consensus because right. the person is just gonna like Impossible. And like, that was the Rebbe's approach. The Rebbe's approach, when it came to Eretz Yisrael, was extreme. The Rebbe, the Rebbe has a, the Rebbe has a mimer based on this mimer. I told you guys about this. That's more elaborated. And there he actually says something so interesting, that Eretz Yisrael was divided, um, in a way of a lottery, right? Yeah, so how did how did the tribes know what portion they got? Not because oh you're farmers, so you should go to the farmlands, right? Yeah. There's no logic. It was a lottery. A lottery is beyond logic. And so the Rebbe says Eretz Yisrael was given to us in a way of beyond logic and we hold on to it in a way that's beyond logic and 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 that, that was again we've spoken about this a lot the Rebbe's approach since the outbreak of the war it was not logical okay it wasn't now looking back it looks very logical 50 years later it's like oh that made perfect sense in the time it was like it was basically saying don't listen to America that's basically what it was saying at the time America was saying, you have to do this, we're not backing you otherwise. And the Rebbe's approach was, say, was completely opposite of what America was saying. It's like standing up and saying, that's it. Cut off all ties with America, which the Rebbe obviously didn't outwardly say, and, and be by yourself. Well, that sound, especially then, so, 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 beyond so logic. It is so, just last night or this morning, the U.S. said, the U.S. is speaking very, very differently now yeah, than they were speaking then. And the craziest part is that, um, not the craziest part, but the, the representative for America, I think he was Henry Kissinger, is that his name? He was Jewish. The one who was like, he, he, was, he was, I don't know if you could call him someone yeah. who hated Jews, but he, he, was, from, he was Jewish, but he, he, was Jewish, but he yeah, didn't. When he went, met with Golden Mayor, he, he was um, put the war in power before being Definitely, yeah. So the pressure from America then was was unlike anything. Now there's still obviously pressure and things unlike anything that we see today. And the Rebbe was saying, this is the approach. And it was like, it was, it was not logical. Now, again, looking back, it looks perfectly logical. We wouldn't be in this situation if we've been... But, but it, in the time, it was, it was completely no negotiating, no giving back land. We won the land. Even if it's in Sinai, we won it fair square. It's ours. Like, it sounded just crazy. But on a personal level, it is so scary when you're faced against something that you cannot work with. Meaning, like, you cannot, like, I, because, a bit, like, it's, like, I remember, like, it just brought so many flashbacks for me for, like, like whatever, like, when I saw the videos of um, when, like, the people in Russia, like, surrounded the plane or whatever, like, like, and everything, and, like, there were people screaming that basically most of the people who actually went on this flight were not, were not Jewish, and they were uh, people who, like, had sick kids, who had sick kids who were going to Israel for the treatments like cancer. Um, yeah, we're, we're a like very nice country, diseases. by the way. You know, <laughs> we provide lots like, of medical like, health. Like, yeah. Like people, people with like yeah. special needs, you know, or like like yeah. it's crazy. And there are like women who are like saying like those are sick kids, like don't like, and they're not yeah. like they're not able to listen anymore. Like, so I'll tell you something interesting yeah. that in a way, in a way there's an advantage when there's no logic to it. 
because imagine, okay, this is me talking out of, I don't know what, but imagine everyone started to become logical and they're like, you know what? Let's do a two-state solution, right? Logical. We're going to split it this way, that way, equally, fairly, squarely. We'd have nothing to say and a big part of Eretz Yisrael would just go. So when I see this like illogic, I'm almost like, like right after 1967, um, we were like, okay, you know, let's draw up some plans. Let, you know, we, we just, we just, no, not 1967. When Eretz was established, we're going to live alongside one another. Let's, you know, we'll give you this land, this land. We were all very, and then boom, a war from all sides. We want to destroy you. In a way, it's the biggest, in a way, it's crazy to say, but it's the biggest gift because when it's logical, then we have to respond with logic. And when we respond with logic, when it comes to Eretz Yisrael, it's not a good idea because our whole claim to Eretz Yisrael is not logical. So when it comes to a test, and again, we can, we, can, we can put it into the circumstance we're in right now or personal circumstances or just as a general concept that exists within Hasidus that we should hopefully never be faced with. When it comes to a test, there's no logic and therefore we don't respond with logic. We respond by looking at ourselves. How can I raise myself up? And when it comes to this war, okay, which again, there's no, it's not, there's not logical. They're not attacking us from a logical place. And it's very, very clear, very, very clear to see that we have to respond not with, oh, who are we, who are we going to blame? Whose fault is it? Let's make more protests. Let's do this. We need to respond with how am I going to raise myself up? But because can, when we do that, the test disappears. It can go either way. Like, I remember my dad, when he was beaten up severely at school for having a uh, Jewish serving, like, um, and, like, his early was Newman and whatever, like, and at that time, in the, in the, like, at the end of the 80s, in the 90s, it was, like, there were a lot of rumors about the new wave of pogroms and, like, a lot of, like, a lot of, mm -hmm. obviously, as, as always, <laughs> and, uh, like, and he was, like, I didn't, like, I didn't even know I was Jewish. <laughs> you didn't even know he was Jewish. Like, I'm not even related to anything. Like, I'm not, like, I don't know what Shabbat, What is his like, surname? Nilman. 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 It's like, uh, like, I'm not even, like, I'm not even connected to Yiddish guy in any kind of sense. There were so many people in the Holocaust who were driven to, to the camps yeah. for, like, having a Jewish grandpa or whatever, like, and yeah. everything. Yeah, and it like, wasn't illogical. It wasn't it's logical. like it's crazy, and but it can go either way. He was like, "Yeah, I don't know why it happened." Period. Yeah. <laughs> that that's yes. that's it. Change the surname. Pardon? We talked about this yesterday a little bit. How like the response of the Jewish people shouldn't be like you're saying more protests and whatever. And I said this yesterday, but a group of friends of mine, I guess Fernando is one of them also, that like at ASU in Arizona, they um, had it was for Palestine protest and what the Chabad and students do, one of the guys stood up on the wall and put spilling on and said Shema. Like he didn't like retaliate or anything, he just stood up and said Shema. And that's like, that's such a to powerful thing. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah, Gila was saying like, we don't, she's like better die than give up who we are as a people. So yeah. like, like, and that like really hit like strong. Yeah. When, when Haman wanted to destroy man, woman, child, every single Jew on the planet, which was not logical, even though he gave Akashverosh all of these reasons that they go into huts and they were giving them all these, it was based on complete illogic. He's a Malik. A Malik kill, hates us for no logical reason. What was the immediate response of Mordechai? He could have told everybody, go get a gun, let's get it ready. He gathered all the children, 
gathered all the children, right? Vulnerable targets, right? He gathered them together and they davened and they learned openly. We are Jewish. Not only we're Jewish, the next generation is Jewish and our next generation is going to be Jewish. And that is the response that we need to have. It's not the automatic response because we automatically go to logic. How can I logically defend myself against these, these things that my colleagues or people are saying? And how can I logically, you know, but, but so we first go to logic, but we have to remember this isn't, it's not a logical, it's not a logical war. And it never has been. Anytime that people have tried to wipe out the Jewish people, it's, it's, it's like you're either too, so you're too rich or you're too poor, you're too, like, yeah. you're so, <laughs> when we're poor, we're targeted. When we're rich, we're targeted. When we're successful, when we're not successful, like, it was, like, they hated us because we were money, we were the money launderers. Jews were not allowed to have any other job. They were only allowed to be um, money lenders, money lenders. So they, right, so, so then they would have to chase people because they owed them money, because they were money lenders. So everyone hated them because they were chasing them for money, but that was the only job that they were allowed. Like, it's never, there's a book called, I think it's called Why the Jews. I think Dennis Prager wrote it. It's an old, I found it in my father's um, library a few years ago, and I read it, and it's, it just details out like the history of anti-Semitism, and you just see how illogical it is. It's just crazy. It's, it was, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that book, but it's just like when there's like, yeah, because you're too poor, you're not doing anything, so we're going to kill you. Okay, now you're too rich, you're too successful, so it's not logic. By the way, and I, read, I read there was some guy in Russia that said that um, Jews will never assimilate because of anti-Semitism. Because it's such a deep problem. Like, we'll never yeah. fully assimilate. So, so that actually contains a very deep message we're going to get to here, which is that actually the test draws out the essential Jew within us. Yes. It's the test that draws it out. So we wish it didn't have to be that way. And we daven for Hashem every day that he should stop making it that way. We had enough of that. But that's the, that's the fact. Yeah, that, that the anti-Semitism, the illogic draws out our own illogic, right? And we've seen that so clearly right now. People who... I mean, I, I went, I told you guys I went to give out candles um, on the first yeah. Shabbos afterwards, and, and I went to tell my sister-in-law, she does Neshik every week, you know, she's like really, I was so proud to tell her, I also did, whatever, she's like, wait, the soldiers took from you? She's like, I've been doing this for two years now, and I don't remember when women soldiers there would, would take, they say, no, no, thank you, no, thank you, no, thank you. Every single one took a candle from me that day. It's like it draws the illogic out of us as well. Um, so, so this is the idea of an Isoyan. <laughs> Where are we inside? <laughs> We're six lines up from verse seven lines up from the bottom. Right? Then in that case, it's impossible to go in a way of a war of actually negotiating one, two, three, four, five, six lines from the bottom. There's nothing to hold on to with which to start a war because there's no logic there. There's no spark there. The way that we go about confronting a test, excuse me, it's by awakening the power within ourselves, the bitl atzmi, and the bitl within ourselves, the truth that Hashem exists within us. It's impossible for it to be any other way. Because when we say it's an impossible test, even if you want to confront it with logic, you're not going to be able to. It's an impossible test. It's impossible for it to be any other way. You won't win it. It'll overpower you. If it's just in a way of, I'm going to plan this out and be strategic. You're forced to stand in this test. There's no way out. 
There's no other way in front of him. And again, this is very often speaking about very unpleasant situations. And this could also, again, be something in, in our personal life. And it could usually look like, could, could often look like the, the, the most terrible thing that's ever happened to somebody ever, right? And that could be something personal for us, the most terrible thing that's happened to us. That there's just, there's no, there's no way to look at it in a way of logic. This is something that has to draw within us a very, very, very deep power. And only when we draw out that deep power from within us are we going to be able to see that that thing actually disappears. Okay. Since he's doing this work in a way of drawing out his inner strength and his inner bittal, this means he's not doing it in a way of his expressions. He's not using his mind, his heart, his senses, the things about him that shine and are revealed. Those don't work in this situation. It doesn't work to do a service according to logic. Only from the essence. Because it's only from the essence. Is he able to extract the spark? That is enclosed within the thing that expresses itself as a test. Because even... This nitzutz nishar ha'etzim b'shlemus, its essence remains whole. Kanal, as we mentioned above. So when we reveal our essence and we raise ourselves up, that actually extracts the essence which has remained whole within the test that's only able to be extracted by us working on ourselves. And again, I always think of this example, but you can't confront darkness with a fight. It's like how ridiculous with somebody in a pitch black room look if he starts to just punch the darkness and kick the darkness and stab at it, right? He's got to find a light. He's going to sh- and then the moment he finds the light within himself, he, the darkness will automatically go. That's an sign. And his sign is black. So when we say gray, we say gray area. So there are gray areas obviously within halacha. Those are the hardest ones to deal with for all of us. Um, and then there's just the gray of the world. Most of the things that we come across on a day-to-day basis have two options. They can drag us down, they can take us up. That's the gray. And that's, we can respond to gray with logic, with planning, with self-control. All those things work. When it comes to black, those things don't work. We have to find the light within ourselves. And then when we find that light, the, da- the darkness will disappear. Because the darkness doesn't actually exist. We spoke about this. We're going to speak about this more, that the darkness doesn't actually exist. It's just the illusion that it exists. And the moment that we can raise ourselves up to see that it's just an illusion, it disappears. Okay? So we're going to continue with Dalid tomorrow. We're going to be speaking about the Yechida, which is the essence of Klippa, the essence of ourselves, and to see how when we reveal our essence, we're able to, to... touch the essence that exists that's hidden in the test and um yeah so we're going to continue tomorrow okay how many say if the mother here seven okay tomorrow is is today tuesday no wait yes i think it is Shem, tomorrow's Wednesday already. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) we're on the same page you're like no it's It's no 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 it's just it's just running 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 okay so today is tuesday so i yeah 
by, by the end of Thursday, Mitzvah Shem, we'll, we'll finish the Mimer. Okay. And then I have a Torah or Mimer for next week's Parsha. So that's, we're going to get back into, into the Parsha. Okay. Have a wonderful day. Continue doing all your amazing work here.